Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalising our natural resources, minimising waste and maximising human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philippaross.com and don't forget if you like what you hear be sure to share far and wide. Hello Wastebusters, welcome to episode 18. The umbrella theme for this episode is transformation and with the first full moon at the beginning of the astrological year happening this Easter Sunday here in New Zealand, we'll be able to draw on the powerful regenerating energy to help us let go of what no longer serves us. It's ideal for shifting our thinking, behaviour and using our voice to speak up and create the changes we want in order to transform the archaic systems we've been mindlessly entrenched in. Lift Your Voice is the theme of this year's World Voice Day that's being celebrated on Saturday the 16th of April. I'm delighted to have Tessa Livingstone, a voice care specialist, as my guest today. She shares a wealth of skills on how we can breathe new life into our voices to boost our confidence and enhance our communication skills. I'm feeling very uplifted because there's a phenomenal drive within the business industry to not only make best use of what already exists, but to ensure stewardship underpins whatever's being created in the future. All of which beautifully aligns with my intention for this podcast to revitalise our natural resources by minimising waste and maximising human potential. There's an extensive list of links of all the news and petitions mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. Kicking off this week's good news is a company called Earthpack, who spent years developing an alternative to polystyrene food trays. I just love how they've embraced the cycle of life to produce something with a solution for its end use. The trays are made from potato starch and the protective lining from PLA which is a fermented plant starch. The whole product is 100% biodegradable. Now Earthpack are looking for support and have just launched a fundraising page so they can increase the capacity and capability to deliver commercial production levels here in New Zealand and then develop a franchise model for offshore opportunities. On to news about disposing of waste we already have. It seems some clever clogs here in New Zealand thinks incineration is the answer. I don't think so. It creates plumes of air pollution that has its own destructive cycle, which also affects the land and sea, and ultimately all life forms. Zero Waste NZ have created a petition called Regeneration to Incineration to get support to put a stop to this. If you think the idea is bonkers, please take the time to sign and share. Another great petition that portrays the mindful approach to creation is the one called Right to Repair, which is calling on waste ministers to bring about legislation so goods are made responsibly with longevity, durability and repairability front of mind, ensuring accessible and affordable ways to repair are made available to everyone. This petition ends on the 25th of April. 
The Sustainable Business Network here in New Zealand have just launched their first circular economy directory to design out waste and pollution and keep products and materials in use. Just like my previous two guests, Junk Run and Aotearoa Food Rescue Alliance, they're creating a central database of what's available so other organisations can access materials that someone else no longer has a need for. These companies are working nationwide, but you can do your bit by auditing what you already have. Last week I suggested you get going in the kitchen and make an inventory of your pantry, fridge and freezer. This week I'm going to suggest you look at your wardrobe because the seasons are changing and if you're anything like me you're reshuffling your clothes so we might as well have a serious sort through while we're at it. Before you buy make a list and do some research so you don't get sucked into buying more than you need. Be guided by your objective. Mine is long-lasting garments made in an eco-conscious way. Top of my list is to replenish my underwear and sock stocks, which are a tad worse for wear. After much research, I discovered what I thought I'd buy, but fortunately took a pause before I pressed the add to cart option. I was about to buy stuff from overseas. Then I reminded myself that I'd made a pledge to buy local, or if it wasn't available, at least within my own country. In the end, I found a fab New Zealand company called Nissa, who not only produce colourful, well-made sustainable goods, but they provide a fantastic employment opportunity for refugees and migrants, serving both people and the planet. While we're on the subject of clothes, next week is Fashion Revolution Week. It's a global event that runs from the 18th through to the 24th of April. The collective vision across 92 countries is to ensure the fashion industry conserves and restores the environment and values people above profit. This year, the theme is Money, Fashion, Power, focusing on the exploitation of labour and natural resources. New Zealand are in the process of creating a textile product stewardship project. All these movements help restore faith and give great peace of mind that there is a massive global movement to totally transform the outdated systems and work in union with nature and each other. This links beautifully to an outstanding piece of artwork I saw this week from a 13-year-old Slovenian girl called Anja Rosen who won the Lions Club International Peace Poster Contest. I've actually put some feelers out to see if she'd agree to my using it as the artwork for this podcast. I just love that such a young girl explained how important peace was to her by saying, there's inner peace, which is finding happiness and contentment, no matter how stressful your life is. Peace is also freedom from violence. When there is peace, nations and the whole planet can be stable and promote cultural growth. Her artwork represents the earth and the fact that it brings us all together. She says, we are all connected to the planet and one another. I've put the link in the show notes so you can go and have a look for yourself. Great news has just been released that the Foreign Minister Simon Coffey announced the Tuvalu government have rescinded its support to explore deep sea mining in the country's waters. He's lifted his voice and taken a stand to protect the environment. Kudos to him. Let's hope his actions influence other governments to stop too as we have no idea of the impact it could have on life in the ocean, nor the repercussions it could have on all life forms. This is a prime example of how your voice can make a difference, and how important it is to convey a message that reflects 
the true essence of who you are. A beautiful segue into my interview with Tessa Livingston to discover how we can use our own voice to connect to our inner self and draw strength to transform our external world. Welcome, Tessa. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Cool. Now, tomorrow is World Voice Day, and the voice is something Mm -hmm. that we all tend to take for granted. The theme is lift your voice. And my perception Mm -hmm. of a voice coach is someone who deals with speech therapy. So um, can you enlighten me as to what the extent of the role that you have is? Absolutely. I totally can. So we've got quite a few different definitions that go in between what is a speech therapist and what is a vocal coach. Now, a speech therapist um, has to have a certain degree to be a speech therapist. So I've got a speech and language pathology degree from Canterbury University. And a vocal coach has so much knowledge about the voice as well, but they tend to coach people to to get their voices enhanced and and, and doing bigger things with it, like singing or performing, acting, that sort of thing. A speech therapist can do that as well, but they tend to work more on the pathological side of things. So the voice being a little bit more broken or damaged and and needing some healing and fixing. So that's kind of where the distinction is, but there is heaps of crossover between what a vocal coach can do and uh, and a speech therapist can do. But that's kind of like the core distinction. And then within speech therapy, again, there's like working with kids, working with adults, working in hospitals hospitals, working in all kinds of different places. So even in speech therapy, it's very different and diverse. But that's what I would say the two distinction between those two things are. Vocal coach is more creative performance and speech therapy is more your medical side of things. Did you always aspire to do something within this industry as a child or did it just evolve? And how did you bring your experiences to date into what you're doing today? Yeah, good question. I did always want to be in the performance industry. I uh, There's something about performing that I've just always, always loved. And I've also really liked the sound of my own voice since I was a kid. I always thought it was fascinating or interesting. I thought it sounded pretty and I was like, what? This thing's really cool. I like this. But I didn't I didn't know that at the time. It just uh, that's something that I've reflected on as we've as I've grown up and, and moved through some things. So I did always want to be in that field, but I didn't know what it was. And it was really interesting. In my year 13 year at high school, I had a number of different people tell me that um, I had a really beautiful speaking voice and that I should be a speech therapist. I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what that was. And uh, one of our educators at school gave like those, you know, those scholarships that you apply for before you go to university. They're like, oh, there's a speech therapy scholarship in here. You should apply for that. So I applied. Yeah, I applied for it and ended up getting it. So I ended up... um, not auditioning for the drama schools that I thought that I should audition for and ended up going straight into speech therapy. And my only knowledge of what it actually was, was from watching The King's Speech with Colin Firth and, oh, his name's got out of my head, Jeffrey Rush. And that's what I thought a speech therapist was. And also when I got to Canterbury to start studying, I also thought it was an English degree. I didn't realize it was a science degree. So I obviously didn't do very much research before I got (laughs) there, but I got there and... (laughs) And I, you know, I was taking neuroscience 101 and and different bits and pieces. I was like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. But 
it was a really fun journey because what what happened was is that I couldn't find my place in speech therapy. I just there was we would work with kids who had um, syndromes or kids who had articulation disorders or that sort of things. We'd work with adults who'd had uh, strokes and now had swallowing disorders, communication disorders, loads of things like that. And I just couldn't quite find my place in it. So when when I was there, we only did I think we did two papers on voice, but they were not quite what I do now. And so I didn't I didn't get a full understanding of it or what I should be doing with it. So I went, right, I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm going to finish my degree. I'm going to go uh, be an actress. And I um, auditioned for the actors program in Auckland and, uh, and was accepted, which was incredible. It was a fantastic year and I absolutely loved it. But on my first day, I met um, the woman who was going to be our vocal coach for the year. So she trains us the whole year. Her name's Kirsty O'Sullivan. Uh, she owns a company called The Voice Practice. She's amazing. And I met her and she started talking and I went, oh, I want to do what you do. That's amazing. There was something about her talking about how the way the voice is a part of the body. It's a way to unleash who you are and all these amazing things. And I went, yeah, I want to do that. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am. I, I took all of these funny directions to sort of end up in a place where everybody told me I should be because I had a pretty voice or a nice voice. <laughs> That's sort of how I <laughs> how I got back around, which is great. So uh, I ended up working as a voice therapist for a little bit at a, um, you know, throat surgery. Uh, I did that for a little while and it sort of uh, came to an end for me because I was missing some creative aspect in, in my work. Like there's definitely creativity. There's always problem solving. But I was missing feeling like I was one, working on my own voice for creativity, but also helping other people get to that place as well. So yeah, I, I jumped off of that and started digging into uh, voiceover and healthy voice use and performance voice. I love the fact that you actually stuck it out to the end because um, life takes us on amazing journeys. And sometimes we have to embrace what is not entirely us to, to really to discover that it's not what you want to do but recognizing there's an element of that in where you want to go so you actually spoke about the voice being a part of the body can you expand mm. on that because as I said at the beginning you know, we take it for granted the voice yeah, voice being part of the body. Um, when we're talking about that, there's so many components that go on with it. The the voice is one, it's a muscular part of the body. I think people don't realize that intricacies, in that's not a word. <laughs> What's the word I'm trying to use? Intricacy. Oh, I'm stumbling on. And thank you, that word. Yeah. Intricacies. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Goodness. <laughs> It's real. <laughs> you know, it's very complex. Let's just use a new word. It's very complex. Okay. And there's so many different uh, muscles and nerve innovations and so many things going on inside the neck to help produce our voice. And I don't think people understand that that is what's happening. There's so many different little pieces happening to actually make your voice work. It's extremely complex. So when I say it's a part of the body, there's one, that physical aspect of it. It's part of your physical body. And we don't seem to realize that when we're having a physical experience like exhaustion or excitement or whatever it is, our voice will go alongside it. Everybody has that feeling of when they're absolutely exhausted and their voice just goes like all the way down and it's completely. And people are surprised. They're like, oh, I don't know why my voice sounds like this. Well, actually, it's 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 being a part of what your human body 
is putting together. It's it's reciprocating, you know, how you're feeling. So one, it's got that really amazing physical component being a part of the body. It also has an amazing emotional component. It's the way that we either, you know, express or don't express because the voice is literally when the cords close together, it becomes a valve. It can start or stop letting things out or bringing things in so mm. it's got that amazing emotional component going to it you know how do we that the best example of this and everybody relates to this so well is when we have that feeling of about like we're about to cry and every single um muscle in our neck tightens to stop that from happening so that's that emotional valve restricting us from from expressing an emotion and it's um it's incredible and the muscle memory in that is is just amazing and then it's got um it's got a spiritual component as well. You know, we use the voice for prayer, we use it for chanting, we use it for singing. Singing's a really spiritual act as well, and also a very calming act on the body. So there's all of these components that fit into us as a holistic human being that the voice absolutely knows how to embody. And I think people don't quite realize that it has that massive expansion. It's so much bigger than just this is how I communicate the information in my head to you. That's what I'm sort of talking about when I say it's part of the body. It's it's a part of every aspect of our being. And it's an expression of who we are, the tones that we mm. use and so on and so forth. And I had something amazing I was going to say there, but it's got, <laughs> oh, yes, you're talking about emotions and stress and anxiety. That has a massive impact on the way we use the voice and the, how the body constricts and mm. our confidence. So how are they all interlaced? Yes, they are really, really interlaced. And there's this wonderful thing that I learned when I was at um when I was at acting school that the body goes where the voice leads. And this really, really leads into how we use our voice is how we show the rest of the world who we are, what we are. Yeah. And based on that, people reflect things back to us. And we end up embodying this thing because of the way that our voice sounds. It, it can be a really, really interesting experience for people to realize that maybe the way that they're speaking leads other people to feel a certain way about them. A really classic one can be uh, like for women that have really, um, really quiet voices, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with having this voice. But immediately as we start listening to them, we start going, oh, okay, you're probably um, a little bit shy. You're maybe not very confident. And because with their, you know, that is being reflected to them. Maybe they're not being chosen to give a presentation at work, or maybe people talk over them all the time, or that sort of thing because of the quality of their voice. Their confidence level starts to diminish because their voice doesn't have a tone of confidence. And it's this, you know, this crazy loop of I don't speak with confidence, therefore no one thinks I'm confident, therefore I'm not confident. And it just yep. goes round and round in this circle. There is something really to be said. Oh, yes, yeah, ask me a question because otherwise I'll just ramble. <laughs> I'm happy with rambling. Is there a, Interrupt me. Is there a tip or a trick to help people enhance their confidence? Or even if they don't feel it inside, mm. to portray more confidence? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and my tip for this is learning how to project your voice. Um, because often when we talk about projection, uh, people think that it has to be loud, that if we're talking about projection, you're on stage, you've you know, got a booming big voice and you're all over the place with this incredible sound. But really um, what I teach when I teach projection is that projection is not loud, it's a balance of muscles. Because right. what can tend to happen is that if we don't know how the body's muscles work to produce the voice, like I said, it's extremely complex and there's lots of stuff going on. And we... Before we go to speak or even say something to someone, you know, a loved one or a friend or whoever it is, we expect this voice to come out with no understanding of how it's going to get there. Yep. <laughs> and 
there's this kind of like this thought of, well, I have this thing to say, therefore I will say it and it'll come out exactly how I want it to. But we've got no idea how that actually works. So when you take the time to understand how the voice feels inside the body, how it feels with the muscles, how it feels with your breath, if you can identify what it feels like, then it's going to be more available to you with its sound. I think sometimes we go, my voice is sound. I'm like, well, I don't think so. I think your voice is a balance of muscles that is going to allow to feel what it feels like before it comes out. So then you've got more control over it. You know what's happening with it. It's like a somebody attempting to rock climb for the first time, but nobody's told them what it feels like to really hold on to a rock with the tips of your fingers and really grip in. They're going to grab it and slip off because yeah. they've got no idea what it's supposed to feel like. But if they've taken the time to maybe, you know, pick up a rock that's just on on the ground and go, that's what it's going to feel like when I grip my fingers into it. I don't know why I used rock climbing. That was an interesting <laughs> one. But it's taking the time to notice what it feels like to have that voice because sometimes our voices are so emotional if we put everything on that part of ourselves going well I'm just going to do it and I'm going to speak and I'm going to be confident and it's going to work yeah that's a too much overload for the body to actually cope with if we can take it down to a mechanical level it's like we're encouraging the body to do something it knows how to do without involving your mind we just take your mind out of the game body can lead you there your voice will go there as well very interesting because I've just started Tai Chi class and so there's a bit of coordination going mm. on there and once you get the feet and the hand together it's a bit like dancing I do dancing as well but once you <laughs> get them working together if you take your mind out of it and mm. trust when you move your hand one way the body actually goes that way and so do your legs it makes more sense but as soon as we mm. engage the brain it restricts the movement to something that's mm -hmm. quite jerky. So, and again, I guess a huge part of this is yeah. also like the breath, as we, as I said at the beginning, there are two things there that we take for granted. And I did your course, mm. voiceovers, beginners course, and you had some amazing exercises in it. And I did use one of them this morning at Tai Chi, and it was the rocking backwards and <gasps> forwards to find <gasps> your balance. Because you can apply so many of little snippets of things into other things as well, which and so it was quite invaluable. Oh, I'm so pleased. And I love that exercise. Um, I got that exercise from Patsy Rodenberg, who is one of my um, all time, uh, you know, like vocal coach crushes. She's just she's absolutely amazing. And um, what I what I, I think what draws me so much to vocal practices is that it is not just voice because you need to treat voice holistically. So by, you know, learning how to rock backwards and forwards on your feet to find your center, yeah. how good is that for your overall human being? You know, it calms people, it brings them into a state of being themselves rather than leaning forward on their toes in anticipation or leaning back on their heels to, you know, retract from people. There's so many elements going on with it. So I love that you're able to take it and apply it into other things because that's that's what it's for. If, um, if someone doesn't end up going into voiceover and doing all of this training, that's okay. But if they take, you know, I, I learned how to breathe deeply a couple of times a day. Awesome. I learned how to balance my feet when I'm standing. Awesome. Like that's music to my ears. I love it. Yeah. And it, I also encourage it with my own um, mentoring work is, you know, with the breathing kind of thing is actually to, mm. even if you're standing at the sink, washing up or something, you can do the balancing thing or um, yes. 
and stand with your feet apart and find that center. And you can do the breathing while you're washing up. And then you could also do the singing as well and all the vocal exercises. It's amazing what you can do. (laughs) And you don't have to take extra time. You can integrate them into what you're doing as well. Yes, you can. There are so many different ways you can integrate them into things. Like something I really liked to work with when I was um, doing more pathological voice is that I'd get someone to draw like a dot on their hand and so every time they saw the dot on their hand they're like oh cool three deep breaths now because as a population now we overload ourselves with cognitive information going I have to be better at this this and this and I have to get these chores and tasks done by this time so I can get this thing done mm-hmm. we don't have space to go oh I need to remember how to breathe properly now yeah. like there's there's no space to add in a new task so by doing things like that it just means that we're so much better off and we're actually likely to achieve these things because then when we don't achieve them we put all of these this horrible guilt and shame on top of ourselves feeling bad about something we couldn't get done and then our breathing gets worse and then our balance gets worse and it's this interesting feedback loop so it's um (laughs) yeah I'm always looking for ways to make sure that when these things are being practiced when can you sneak them in can you do them in the car every time the radio comes on answering the phone's a great one so um if we're doing projected humming you go and you do that nice project and you go "Mm, hello Tessa speaking and then you've got this beautiful resonant voice that comes out before you start you know there's little moments you can sneak this stuff in everywhere so for anybody who is not into doing public speaking or voiceover work or anything like that how can we care for our voices and what good reason is there to do so I think for, for people in that realm of things I'm a really big advocate of just be aware of your habitual voice use or your habitual body behavior um I think because often what we'll do is that we'll we'll treat our vocal health really poorly so you know we won't drink enough water or we'll um constantly breathe through our mouth rather than through our nose or we'll we'll talk on a voice that uh that we've just talked on forever so like uh that voice that I was making before some people just naturally talk on this and this is going to make your voice tired you know start noticing if your voice does start to get tired or maybe it didn't come across the way that you wanted it to that skill of self-reflection is what I would encourage people to do just go I wonder why it did that in that moment and see if you can find a pattern our voices are extremely habitual and once it finds a way to operate once it finds its baseline it'll stay there unless you put in some conscious effort to move it so for people who aren't necessarily looking to adopt you know vocal practices or anything like that I would say reflect on your voice because unless you've got an awareness of what it sounds like or how you're using it in different situations there's not a lot of opportunity to do anything with it so I guess part of the benefit of it would be to see how because we use the voice to communicate is to see the different tones we Hmm. use and things like that how effective it is in the way that we communicate with others and what we get back from the way we project something does that make sense yeah yeah different tones can portray so many different things and I think that tones are also really integrated with your emotions like if you've got an emotion happening if you're if you're angry your voice is going to have an angry tone to it but what I I like to encourage is finding what your natural full tone sounds like so where where does the voice feel most comfortable and most full for you and is that voice overpowering or is that voice underpowering um again patsy rodenberg because i'm gonna fangirl on here all day every day is <laughs> she has this amazing book called the second circle and it's about um it's about how we operate in the world 
are we forcing ourselves and our voices on top of people or are we retracting and making our voices internalized and what we really want to find is that beautiful balance between both of those things so that we can receive other people and we can share ourselves with other people without overpowering and I think that's a lot of what that tone use is finding a tone that isn't lying to yourself when you use it or finding a tone that isn't lying to others when you're using it it's it's finding something that when you actually speak you go yeah I, I meant that and that and that was from me rather than go oh yeah I I'm, I, lo- I love talking about this and oh yeah this is really fun you know putting on those additional sounds to help cover yep. something it's about finding that tone that feels true to you and just allowing yourself to use it it's not an easy thing to do it's taken me a long time that voice that I just used was the voice that I used to have <laughs> it was um yeah and I used to um uh giggle at the end of all of my sentences so that people knew I was I was kind and I was lovely and I wasn't gonna be threatening or anything like that and and it's taken a long time to find the sound that I have now and I'm sure that as I grow up and change and evolve that sound might change but I know that in this moment I'm using something that is truthful to me and my my tone and the way that I'm using my voice is helping me to express myself not to conceal it and also by becoming more aware of your own it you also become more aware of other people's and so we can't but help mirror other people's tone and things so we can tone ourselves Mm. down to whatever level they're at without the judgment because you brought that up a bit earlier how we make a judgment of someone's personality or emotional state based on their voice but we can become more Mm. empathetic to them so what's the long-term effect of not finding your natural tone, full tone. Well, if I'm talking from a uh, from a more medical perspective, um, vocal damage right. <laughs> that tends yeah. to happen over over a long period of time. I think by not finding that voice for yourself, you're actually just creating inner turmoil. You're creating this this sense of imbalance and this sense of oh, I want to use the word like feeling tortured on the inside, which isn't quite right, but the longer you deny yourself the opportunity to speak fully and openly and and how and how you need to express yourself the harder those feelings get for some people they manifest as like um for me personally when i wasn't feeling like i was speaking who i was and speaking truly and living what how i wanted to be living it felt like i was being ripped apart internally i couldn't i couldn't figure out where I was supposed to be going, what I was supposed to be doing, because I wasn't just verbalizing what I wanted and using that full voice. For other people, it can cause a real sense of numbness. It causes you to stop looking inside and just kind of floating through life because, you know, what else am I going to do? I don't know what else to do. And sometimes by just working on these basics of voice, they give you the skill set to just go, you know, actually when something does happen, I am going to say something or I'm going to freely giggle at this moment in the movie theater because my joyful sound is what I deserve to have right now. And you, you know, let out a sound of whatever it is. And it's a glorious moment for you. It's authentic. That's what it feels like. It's either you, you lose yourself in either direction. You either get really lost or you just feel confused. And at some point, uh, you're going to have to do some internal digging. <laughs> yeah, what snorting is my forte in when I'm in my full. <laughs> <laughs> On your website, you've got the physical use of external voice and you guide people on a journey through the inner voice. So that really ties the whole thing together as to what you do, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the way that I take that is by working on the mechanics 
mechanical because as we start to learn to breathe deeper, like literally just breathing deeper to support the voice, we actually give ourselves more opportunity to be within ourselves, to be a bit more internal. Because often what happens is that if we get angry or upset or something like that, we take in this big influx of air and we just throw it straight back out. But as we start to learn how to breathe before we speak, we actually give ourselves that moment and that opportunity to go, actually, is this what I want to say? Is this going to benefit me? And then by working on that external part of the body, the way that the body's functioning, we start changing our internal landscape as well. So it's a really interesting process of just going, we're going to work on this muscular thing. And at some point during your life, there's going to be a moment where you might want to say something or you might want to do something but instead you chose to breathe because you understand that mechanical process and maybe you didn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about the body mm-hmm. that um, I have a girlfriend, she had a hip replacement. And again, it's those muscles. She'd been wonky for so long that you had to undo those habitual movements that you took on to compensate. And I guess we do that with our voice yeah. as well. It's letting go. And as you say, breathing and speaking up are, things that we take for granted but they are a massive expression of who we are and how we can be in the world really exactly and voice is vibration and to vibrate fully with your voice is scary it's really scary because you're letting other people know this is what I'm sending you this is what I'm giving you which is why it's so easy to um to fall back onto something softer or to go really big because then you're trampling anything else getting back to you with their vibration it's such an an interesting way to think about voices that it's not just a a cognitive thing that we take into our brains we hear it and we and we respond as we speak we are sending out sound waves we're sending out vibrations and our bodies respond to those so we either feel them for ourselves or we experience other people's and it's this amazing vibrational energetic transfer and I think when we think about it more on that level it actually causes us to be a little bit more cautious about what we might say and how we might share yep because we're affecting other people with vibration absolutely and as an energy healer myself um, I do Mm. um, tuning forks and Basically, everything boils down Mm. to the fact that we are energy beings and we are vibration in in and Mm. of ourselves. And the way that we're designed in the throat and everything in the mouth is the way that we express that vibration and give it form, per se. Have you come across Stuart Pearce? Oh, look, his book is literally, (laughs) it's in my cupboard. I was reading it the other day. It's amazing. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm I'm getting there. Voice Alchemy, I think it's called. Yes, it is. Yes. Yep. And he has got the most delicious voice, hasn't he? It's really deep tones. And yeah. he talks about our signature tone. Mm, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. In the speech therapy world, we tend to call that our modal voice, the, the main mode of your voice, the main setting. And I love that he calls it that. I think it's a really nice phrase. I think it's gorgeous. And like you were saying right at the beginning, one of the things that he talks about is actually empowering people. He did it with um, Princess Diana. He worked very closely with Mm. her to find her signature tone. If you listen to some of her earlier speeches, she was quite a a squeaky, high-pitched person. Mm. But then she felt empowered, despite the fact that she was got at by media and so on and so forth. She felt empowered Mm. and had a greater belief in herself and confidence. And the whole thing has a a ripple knock-on effect. So it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the thing is, is that it doesn't have to be 
a monstrous move in the voice. You know, I'm not wanting everybody to sound like a radio presenter. I want you to feel like your voice is there for you, like you trust it, like it's going to be there for you when you need it. And also you have a good relationship with it. You know, do you know what? So many people, if you record them and then go to press play, they all go, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, oh, yuck. I don't really, oh, yuck. Everybody hates the sound of their own voice. Yeah, what is yeah. it about it? Well, there's like, I don't know, but I have some thoughts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously there's that biofeedback, that mechanical biofeedback. So when we're talking out loud, um, when I talk to you, you get my sound waves and they go in through your ears. When I hear me speak, I don't get that. I get bone conduction. So I'm hearing my voice through um, my temporal bone and um, a couple other bits and pieces as well. So the voice that I hear out loud is not the same voice that you're hearing right you're getting um more higher pitches uh because bone bone conduction picks up the lower notes it doesn't necessarily pick up like the higher more nasally notes so often what happens is that we we hear our voice back on recording it's usually higher and whinier than people are expecting to hear so that always gives people a fright but i think there's this fear of going what if i don't sound good or what if what i've said was stupid i think there's a lot more in it than than just you know that that mechanical thing people get really afraid of hearing their voice back on recording it's like people when they see themselves on camera as well they have horrible responses to it i don't know what that's about it could be fear of self-love even because to admit that you think you have a beautiful voice or to admit that you thought you sound good sounded good on that recording people don't want to do that they don't want to admit that they enjoy aspects of themselves because we're not very well versed in that i don't think no because you're considered vain if you admire any aspect of yourself. And other people, as you say, hear you differently. Other people see you differently. And although you may have insecurities mm. around X, Y, or Z, they can't see it because you project yourself in a different way. And if you can use your voice to cover up or just be you, basically. I mean, I mean age is a great thing because you... Mm care less as time goes on what other people think because it doesn't matter to you yeah um, because we're all trying to compete to begin with but it is a form of your Mm. beautiful personality and idiosyncrasies and all those up and down tones and Mm -hmm. I think it's a thing something you can have fun with some of the exercises you gave in the um, course were trilling up and down and things like that. And you can make funny voices and yeah. you can do it like in the car or in the shower or something rather than just singing. You can play about mm. You're literally exercising your vocal cords, aren't you? Yeah. You're literally moving things around, giving them a stretch and trying new things. But I think the key in that, because I love the idea of vocal play and just making sounds and singing if you feel like it, is to be non-judgmental of the sound that comes out. And this is something I've had to really, really work on for myself. Because I've been told for, you know, my whole life that I have a beautiful sounding voice, I really struggle when it doesn't sound beautiful based on my own own metric scale, you know, what I think is beautiful and what isn't. And so what that caused me to do, if I would sing something or if I would say something and it didn't sound to the level that I thought was beautiful, my voice would start to crush down on itself and it would start to get really tight. And I wouldn't be able to use it properly because I was so judgmental of the sound that was coming out. 
So it's taken me such a long time. And it's actually, it's really fun now. So I point behind me because that's where my um, recording booth is. In there, I'll be recording something, like a, a voiceover for something, whatever it is. And I'll get something wrong. And rather, often when people get things wrong, you hear them go, oh, and they get frustrated. And it's like got that rough kind of gruff sort of sound about it. Whereas I do something wrong now and the sound I make is, <laughs> and I giggle because now I think it's funny. Yep. that I got something wrong rather than being, you know, detrimental about it. Because the second we start going down that track, the emotional muscle memory in our neck goes, oh, okay, we're stressed. I'm going to close up. I'm going to get stuck. So rather than that now, I just sort of, or I'll listen back to it and I'll and I'll laugh at myself because I'm going, that, that was completely wrong. Something that's so good for people to start thinking about is when you do sing, when you make some sounds, Think they're fun. Be curious about them. Don't go, oh, well, I didn't sound like Adele in that car singing moment that I just had. So I'm obviously terrible with my voice. No, you probably couldn't hit that note that Adele hits because you're not Adele. <laughs> have you done 10 years of singing training? Probably not. Yeah. And get a note completely wrong is a gorgeous thing if you allow it to be. I think the important thing is with life in general is to have more fun with it. And as you say, to play with your vocal cords and enjoy it as opposed to always approaching something with a purpose that you have to get done and making a judgment around whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Just enjoy the process. And it's amazing what will transpire. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think that's something that I've had to learn for myself. I've had to learn to have fun with the sound of my voice because for the first, how old am I now? 28. For the first 23 or four or even probably five years of my life, I couldn't have fun with it because it had to be right. It had to be good. It had to, it had to live up to the expectations that I had for it. And that was holding me back hugely. It stopped me trying new accents. It stopped me singing along in the car. It stopped me doing all kinds of things because I was afraid of the sound of my own voice because I was afraid it wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. And the second I started letting go of that and started going, I'm just going to make a sound because I feel like making a sound or I'm not going to worry what I think about it or what other people are going to think about it. I'm just going to make it because I want to and it's fun. It's really helped me start to one, communicate better because I'm not constantly listening to myself to judge and critique what's coming out. And it just means that just like that feedback loop, because I'm not continually judging what's coming out of my mouth and how it sounds, actually what's coming out is freer and it's easier because I'm taking away that component. And because if I start judging and critiquing, my body's going to start shutting down and the voice is going to start shutting down. It is a great philosophy and way to approach life in general is that stop forcing things and just allow and enjoy the process and experiment and you will ex naturally expand. So just to really round things off, have you, yes. um, is there a book or a person that has influenced you? And if so, how? Yeah. Um, oh, books. I've got two. It sounds really bizarre, but Dan Brown, but the lost symbol. And I loved that because it was, um, to me, and I might have interpreted this completely wrong, I don't know, but the, what it meant to me was that, you know, a, a part of this journey was that everybody had to accept everybody's bigger beliefs and 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 what everybody else believed in. Like, as long as you believed in something bigger than you, everybody could could join. And I don't know if I interpreted that right at all, but when I read it when I was about, you know, 20, that's what I got from it. And I absolutely loved it. And another book that I really, really enjoyed was 
The Right to Speak by Patsy Rodenberg. Again, I think this is like the fourth time I've mentioned her. She <laughs> she talks about the way that we're just human. And I think I think that was something that I was just desperate to learn, that being human isn't about always being successful and achieving and looking right all the time. It was finding a way to accept the humanness and live with it and move through it to reflect upon it rather than to judge it. And, and why I love that so much is because she is a vocal coach. She's, you know, she's not a philosopher or any of these things, but she's taken something that she loves and adores and has expanded it to the point where she allows for every human possibility. And I, I think that's really influenced the way that I work and the way that I function. So do you have a favorite quote or anything that it has inspired you or continues to inspire you? Yeah, I do. Oh my goodness, his name has gone out of my head. Oh, he's the universe guy. Um, Mike, Mike Dooley, Mike Dooley. Um, oh, yeah. I really like him because he's just, he's so universal with everything he talks about. It's like, just just be, just exist. And I really appreciate that. But the, the thing that I really liked from him was his action analogy was, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you don't know what to do and you've got three crappy options to choose from, just choose one of them because your internal system, your guide or your path or whatever it is, you're always going to find a way back to it. Just make choices, make choices and move forward, make choices and move forward. Yeah. And I think um, until I heard him sort of talk about that, I used to sort of do the whole, you know, sit in my room and wish and hope that things would change and get better, but I would never take any action. And I think that was something that I, I really enjoyed from him was going, he was like, doesn't matter what choice you make, just make one, just go, just go do it. And I think um, that's been really, really influential in my life in the last couple of years. I think he's wonderful. His um, voice notes from the universe are just amazing. Every one of those is a valuable quote. <laughs> He is very inspiring. And if you reflect back to the beginning of the conversation, you know, you made the choice, although you were slightly guided by what other people thought when you went to university. Through those choices, we discover what does and doesn't fit. I did the same for my daughter. She was really into her hockey and sports and very fit, but she was also a great seamstress. And she was turning herself inside out as to her choices. And I said, look, you're young, go for the sporty stuff. The seamstress stuff you can take up as a hobby or continue doing it in your pastime. But she mm. was very creative and did stuff, but she was absolutely crap, just like me, at going back, dotting all the I's and crossing the T's and doing all the mm. paperwork sort of thing. And now she's got her own children and she just picks something up and chops it up without a pattern and puts things together and makes clothes. And it's just like, whoa. Wow. See, so you bring it back together at a time that is right for you. And anything yeah, you do in life, absolutely. give it a go, like the vocal play. So yes. I guess that you're not always on form. What do you do when you're in a funk and to get yourself back into feeling good? Oh, good. Good question. Well, first, I indulge in some self-sabotage uh, behaviours <laughs> because that's how I, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm not perfect, and uh, and sometimes I don't notice that uh, I'm feeling in a funk until I start noticing some behaviours, just like you know watching TV for far too long so that I don't have to think about anything or um, eating just a few too many hot chips because they make me feel better. So, you know, uh, that that's, tends to be how I start this process. And then I'm one of those people who just likes to sit with my emotions and kind of let them run their course. I'm a big fan of crying. That yeah. makes me feel better. And I also, because, you know, it just, it's that cortisol release. It just gets that out of your body and it just helps you move it. And then 
I'm a big bath person as well. Bath and beach. Um, if I can go put my feet in some salt water, it usually tends to ground me and set me back around. What makes me feel better is reflecting, just taking the time to actually think about why these things are coming up and seeing how I can just be with them. Um, and usually by being in, in water, I tend to find that the most helpful and most relaxing. Awesome. So if I was your very godmother, is yeah. there one thing you would like to change in the world? And if so, what is it and why? I think I would like to change the way that people relate to one another. I think there's this tricky feeling in the world that we don't understand each other very well and we don't always want to try to understand each other well. But the second that we do, things get better, things get easier. We have more allowances for the way that people behave because we understand more about them. I think if I was to change anything, I would help people or wish that people would take the time to understand others, to give them an opportunity to speak or to share their stories. Because, you know, sometimes we think people have done horrible, terrible things. And then we start listening to the, what they had to say and how they got to that place. And all of a sudden we start feeling this sense of kinship or, you know, a relationship, a resonance with each other. And you go, oh, actually, I might have done the same thing if I was in your position. Absolutely. And I think there's just this need to understand better. I think if I could like turn up a dial of human beings understanding one another, that would be my, my dial up. Fantastic, which relates back to what you were saying at the beginning. Part of this whole journey is for us to build a relationship with ourselves so that we can build better relationships with other people as well. So yeah. what a great way to finish um, the interview. Thank you so much. It's been inspiring talking to you, and I trust the listeners will get heaps out of it. Oh, I hope so. And thank you so much for having me. I love sitting and talking to people. So that's really good. This is a great way for me to spend my afternoon. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You take care. Bye. Thank you. You too. Bye. Isn't the voice an amazing instrument? Tessa's words remind me not to take myself too seriously and to have fun and play. Next week is Earth Day, and to celebrate how our lives are intrinsically entwined with nature, I'll be joined by David Martin, an eminent steward thought leader whose profound philosophy guides everything he does. His message is inspiring and thought-provoking, challenging us to value the essence of who we are and have reverence for all life. Have a delicious week. Enjoy time with loved ones. Oh, and the chocolate delicacies that'll no doubt be around. I sure will. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform, be it Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio, so you don't miss any future episodes. And be sure to get in touch if you have a subject or guest you'd like me to consider. My email is info at So until next week, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.